Standing firm when stressed out. Somebody, I read somewhere that our age has been dubbed the aspirin age. And uh, whoever has said that, I don't think missed it by much. And uh, I want you to consider some of the following things. It's interesting. I don't think it's an exaggeration. I think that we live in an age uh, that probably exceeds any other age ever in the history of the world as far as being stressed out. Now, I know that some of us would argue that or whether, whether that's true or whether it's not true, but I want you to just think about a couple things, a couple observations. And one of them I made, my sister and her husband were here for Christmas, and um, she came out and stayed for, for about a month with, with her 18- or 16-month-old baby. And uh, her husband is a co-pilot with American Airlines. And so what he did for a month was commute back and forth. And I was thinking... That's really fascinating. I mean, one of it, like his day would be, he'd come out, he'd spend, spend a day or a day and a half, then have to fly back to Annapolis where they live and then fly out of Baltimore. He'd fly from Baltimore to Chicago, from Chicago to Palm Springs, be there for half a day the next morning, turn around and go from Palm Springs to Chicago, back to Baltimore, and then fly back out to L.A. for his couple of days off. And I thought, man, that's a pretty stressful schedule. And no time in the history of the world has that type of activity been possible, except for the last maybe 30 years. And there's no time in the history of the world where you've been able to get as much uh, information bombarded at you, whether it's in the car or cassettes or, 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 or the radio or television. And uh, how many of you remember, I mean, television, you can turn on television now and you can watch TV 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. You can watch it, uh, you know, you can watch 20 things at one time. And now they've got TVs coming out where you can have three games on at once. And I know that's a blessing from God. But, uh, <laughs> but, but you know, you think about that. How many of you remember the day where you actually could watch, like, Test Pattern and hear the Star Spangled Banner at, like, 1 o'clock in the morning? Remember that? I was thinking about that the other day. It was like, we, we had a... Um, we had one of our younger friends who was over, and um, they were showing a clip of an old movie, and in the background of the clip was a test pattern up on the TV set. And I said, do you remember those? And he was like, remember what? And I said, those test patterns on the TV. Uh, and, you know, they, oh, yeah. No, you didn't remember. There's no way you remember. And it was like test patterns and star-spangled banner. I remember that. I mean, I'm not that old. But now there isn't, you can't find a test pattern to save your life. I mean, I've been looking for one. And uh, if, if you have one, I'd like to have it put up here on the overhead. It would be great. But, you know, it's that type of thing. And, uh, you know, so how many, of you, how many of you put on over 500 miles a week driving for your job? Okay, a handful of people, but just think about that. The, the ability to be able to put that many miles on, 30, 40, 50,000 miles a year on a car in a year. That means you're spending a lot of time on the freeway. You're spending a lot of time in traffic. You're spending a lot of time you know, dealing with all that goes along with that. I mean, th there's been no other time in history where that's been possible. I like. Well, here's one man's observation and see if you agree with him. He said, for many, gone are the days of enjoying bubbling brooks along winding pathways or taking long strolls near the beach. The relaxed bike ride through the local park has been replaced with the roar of a motorcycle whipping through the, the uh, busy traffic. The easy-come, easy-go lifestyle of the farm has been preempted by a hectic urban family going in six different directions. Existing on instant dinners, shouting matches, strained relationships, too little sleep, and too much television. 
It says you add financial setbacks, failure at school, unanswered letters, obesity, loneliness, a ringing telephone, unplanned pregnancies, fear of cancer, misunderstanding, materialism, alcoholism, drugs, and an occasional death. Then subtract the support of the family unit, divide by dozens of opinions, multiply by 365 days a year, and you have the makings of madness. Stress has become a way of life. It is the rule rather than the exception. I saw an, article, an advertisement in the paper the other day. I didn't have a chance to get it copied so I could put it on an overhead, but I thought it was, it was hilarious in light of what we're talking about. Some of you will be able to see it. But I blew it up so that it makes a little more sense. But it says, stressed out? And it has a picture, and it points to different body parts, you know, anxious, fearful, and points to your head, nervous, tight muscles pounding your heart, your irritability, you know, yelling, screaming, upset stomach, sweaty palms, handshakes, wobbling knees. And then it says this, we have a new and completely free treatment. We have new and completely free treatment programs available for anxiety, which may be of benefit. Please call to find out how you may apply, and then it has the name of the company and the phone number. And the interesting thing is it's a pharmaceutical company that's trying to promote and test new chemicals that could be used to reduce stress. Interesting, isn't it? I mean, but, you know, just the fact that there's a business out there that could advertise to promote a new drug, because that really is what the answer to the problem is. We need a new drug of some sort. We need, uh, we need something... We need something more powerful. You know, just say no to drugs, but just say yes to Valium. Um, or, or whatever it is, you know, something more powerful than Valium to slow us down and, and relax us a little bit. And, hey, you know, i got the number here if you want to be one of the, the guinea pigs. After all, it's free, so, I mean, you can't come back and get them for anything. But, you know, think about that. I mean, here it is. We've got companies that are coming out of the woodwork to promote some kind of a new product designed to help us to live a less stressful life. I find that highly fascinating. I also think it's interesting, too, if you stop and consider for a minute that... Uh, how many of you saw, I think it was on 60 Minutes, something like that, 2020, one of the news programs. But they had workman's compensation cases of people who were too stressed to work. Have you seen that? Anybody see that? You can now get paid not to go to work because work stresses you out. You can't find employers who want to hire people because they get stressed out thinking about employees who may quit because they're stressed out. I mean, think about this. This is maddening. This is insanity. We're going to pay people because their job's too stressful. How many think your job's too stressful? How many want that phone number? And it's like, well, I don't see the problem. <laughs> But, you know, think about what we're becoming as a society. We're trying to come up with every way in the world to deal with stress. And uh, that's the kind of things that are going on. And you know what? It, it, what's even more fascinating? We've got a whole generation of young people who are stressed out. I hear people say, oh, man, you know, how am I going to go to school and keep my grades up and work part-time and be able to buy a car? And how am I going to go out for, you know, athletics in school? And yet, how am I going to still have, you know, date and all this, man, my social calendar? Oh, man, Dad, I'm really stressed out, dude. Oh, life is so tough for you, huh? It's amazing. So we learn, our kids even are stressed out. And they learn from us. It's amazing what we're teaching them. And then you try to squeeze in a church schedule or to, to serve the Lord somehow. Man, we're too stressed out. Yeah, Lord, I'd love to do that. But man, I am just stressed out. One of my favorite books, a kid's book. Here's a perfect example of a kid who's learning how to deal with stress. Tell me if, this, if you've ever uttered the solution. 
Think about what you're teaching your kids and those around you. It's from a book called Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. This little kid's named Alexander. He's about eight years old, and he's having one of those days. You ever have one of those days? We all had one of those days. I mean, nothing goes right for this guy. He has back-to-back disappointments and tragedies like you can't imagine, and it's one continuous downer after another. Here's his morning schedule. And I went to sleep with gum in my mouth. Now there's gum in my hair. When I got out of bed this morning, I tripped on the skateboard and, well, by mistake, I dropped my sweater in the sink while the water was running and I could tell it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad, stinking day. After a terrible day at school, a horrible visit with the dentist and a no good stop at the shoe store, he slumps at the dinner table and here's what he observes. There was lima beans for dinner. (laughs) And I hate lima beans. There is kissing on TV. And I hate kissing. You can tell he's eight. <laughs> my bath was too hot. I got soap in my eyes. My marble went down the drain, and I had to wear my railroad train pajamas. And I hate those railroad train pajamas. When I went to bed, Nick took back the pillow he said I could keep, and the Mickey Mouse nightlight burned out, and I bit my tongue. The cat wants to sleep with Anthony and not with me. It's been a horrible, terrible, no good, very bad, stinking day. And so he sighs in bed, and he says this. I think I'll move to Australia. How do you do that? I think I'll move to Oregon. I think I'll move wherever. You know, we, we did a series on I think I'll move to Oregon once. But the point is, we've all had days like Alexander. We've all had those days. And some of them, we haven't had those days for years, and now we've had them for a year straight. And now we've got to deal with them. And how do you deal with it, you know, and how do you deal with being stressed out? And uh, every, how many of you have played any kind of athletics? Any kind of athletics at all? Okay, let me ask you a question. When the wheels start falling off the wagon, what do you do? Jump. Jump. Oh, good. What were you, in the rodeo? (laughs) What is that? The guy was in the rodeo. Well, that's a sport. What's that? You what? Put the wheels back on. Oh, thank you very much. Please stand up and would you say it louder, please? You call a timeout. I don't care what sport I ever played. I mean, if, if you're playing basketball and all of a sudden you're getting hammered and they're running the fast break and you can't catch up and you're down 12 and you keep turning the ball over, all you got to do is look over at the coach who's going like this. <laughs> what do you think he's doing? Saying, time, call a timeout. Please call a timeout. And if he's not doing it, the broadcaster's doing it or the people in the stands are doing it. Don't he know he should call a timeout? I don't care where it is in football. Call a timeout. Basketball, call timeout. Baseball, whatever it is, go out and talk to the pitcher. He's getting hammered. Call timeout. Go out and talk to him. Settle him down. Slow down. Evaluate what's going on. And you know what's so funny? Human beings are weird. What we do is, we go fast. Amen, hallelujah. We go faster. We don't slow down. We don't call timeout. We keep going faster. We stay on the wagon and try to push the wheels on while it's still rolling. And then we can't figure out why we get caught in it and we're spinning and flopping next to the wagon, you know, down the road. We need to call time out. We just need to slow down for a minute, call time out, and just see what God has to say about how to deal with stress. See, what we deal with is the symptoms always in our society. I want to keep going fast, so give me a drug that at least slow my insides down while my outside's going 150 miles an hour. Always the symptoms. We never get to the root problem. 
And we need to call time out and just get back to it and say, Okay, God, you made me. You know what stresses me out. You know what's causing this problem. I need to find out from you. What do I need to be doing about this? I want to call time out. I'll just go sit on the bench for a while and have a breather. But I want to evaluate what's going on. I just don't want to give up on life. I don't want to move to Australia so I can quit on everything that you want me to do. But I want to stop for a moment and listen to you, what you have to say so I can get back in the game and finish it to the end. Psalm 46. We started to talk about it last week. How do you deal with stress? Psalm 46. Look at it. How do you deal or overcome stress in your life? Psalm 46. Dealing with stress. If you're stressed out, slow down for a minute and listen to what he has to say. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its water roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. Let me ask you a simple question. How many of you right now are going through changes in your life that are very uncomfortable? Changes in your life that are very uncomfortable. The question is, how do you deal with that now? Because I'll guarantee you that, that change causes stress. But if you look back on your life and you saw the changes that have taken place in the past, you realize some of the best things in life have come about because of change. A changed job and that led you to another job that's been the best thing that's ever happened to you. You know, I, I see people who struggle with, you know, and you go through the dating process, you know, and you end up dating someone, and then you break up and it breaks your heart and you're ripped apart. And that change creates a situation where it causes stress and anxiety and wonder and worry about the future. And then all of a sudden you meet somebody else and it was the best thing that ever happened that you got rid of that turkey that you, you don't have to deal with anymore that you thought was okay until you met the real thing. But you had to go through all of that first. And that's a very difficult thing to go through. But what we need to understand is that change is good. Because what change does from God's perspective is what? What does change do? Okay, it helps you grow by doing what? Pardon me? I'm sorry. Okay, it builds up your character. Well, tell me one positive thing that anybody here has learned from change in their life. Patience. Wait to slow down and wait. See that fast lane? I'm doing, 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 and all of a sudden change comes up and you have to stop and wait because you don't know what direction to go. Now, what should be happening while you're waiting? Okay, let me ask you this. What have you learned about God through change? What have you learned about God through change? That He doesn't change. You know what the most fascinating thing is in dealing with, uh, you know, we, we've had our Rams Bible study, we've been looking at everything, and now there's all kind of change going on. You know what one of the greatest illustrations or principles of God's truth is through all of that situation? Is that while men and women in our lives come and go, God never does. He is always there. And that's exactly what this psalm says, that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. He was always there. 
He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will never abandon us. He who began a good work in us will continue to perfect it until the day that Christ comes back. He is always there. He is our constant refuge and, and, and shelter and, and a person that we can turn to on an ongoing basis. So funny because we're... We were laughing, you know, at the end of the season, they had a meeting, the defense had a meeting, and they sat down with the coaches, you know, and the coaches were talking about what their plan was for the future, and, you know, and Brett's here, and, and you know, they're saying, well, we're not sure we're going to keep you, we're not sure we're going to put you on plan B, we're not sure you fit into our plans, we're not sure all this kind of stuff, you know, and you can tend to get real discouraged by things like that, and you can start getting stressed out, wondering what's going to happen in the future, and the irony of all of it was we just sat down and said, gee, isn't it kind of funny that a person who's telling you you don't fit into their plans may not even be here. Isn't there a little bit of an irony here? You know, you might want to stop and think about this for a second. It's a little ironic, I find it. And, and what happens is, is that we, we fail to realize that God is in control. See, what, what is stress? Stress is failing to realize that God is in control. See, it's, it's ignorance or lack of knowledge about the God that we say we believe in. Change causes stress. But you know what he said? He said, though all this stuff changes, it doesn't matter. I'm not, gonna, I'm not afraid of change. Because I know who I believe in. And I know that He is able to keep that which I've given unto Him against that day. See, I know who I believe in. I know he's in control. And where man may think that he is, I know i got a God who's bigger than him. But it takes time to understand that. And it takes going through these things and seeing God's faithfulness to be able to adopt that or accommodate that in our own life. But as you go through it, you see that the way we, we deal with stress... A couple of things I observed from this I want to share with you and see if you agree with me. But I believe that overcoming stress begins with the right relationship with God and a knowledge of who he is. Did you follow that? I believe that overcoming stress begins with the right relationship with God and a knowledge of who He is. And until we have that knowledge, then we're going to be stressed out because we think this world is spinning out of control. A couple things cause stress. See if you agree with me. Number one, much of our stress is caused by wrong decisions. Much of our stress is caused by wrong decisions. And when I say wrong decisions, what I'm referring to is very simple. Decisions that are made contrary to what God says is right or wrong. Much of our stress is caused by doing things that God says don't do and we do anyway. Alright? So the consequences or discipline has to come because we need to understand about our God. If He says it, He means it and He has to follow through with it because God cannot lie. So if he says that what you sow, you'll reap. If he says, if you do that which is wrong, I have to discipline or judge you. You can bank on it. He's going to. And his discipline and judgment comes in a variety of ways. So you take somebody who's struggling in their marriage. And they decide they can't handle the stress that's going on in their marriage. And so they go outside of their marriage to look for comfort in some kind of uh, relationship. And God says, don't do that because that's adultery. Don't do it. Or I'll have to judge you. People look and, and Satan deceives us into thinking, boy, there's a haven, there's a place we can turn, there's a refuge, there's a place where we can go for help, there's a place for strength and comfort and security. So we turn to that other relationship and then guess what happens? 
it all blows up in your face because God says it's wrong and He will discipline you if you're His child. And even if you're not, there's consequences to sin for all of us. And all of a sudden, guess what happens? That stressful marriage that you had, you ain't seen nothing but like stress than a scorned woman. And you throw that on top of it and you ain't seen no stress like that. Okay, some of us are having financial difficulties. We're going through a tough time as a nation. There's a recession, the unemployment rate, and all the rest of it's going with it. And we've been hit by it, and all of us feel it to some degree, whether directly or indirectly by the amount of business that we do with others, by people that you know may, you may have done business with, and uh, they owe you money for things and things of that nature. And all that goes on and on when there's this ty- difficult time, a difficult climate. Well, what happens is we begin to be tempted by doing things that aren't right before God. I was out on a job of a guy who owes us some money, and I went out to see what was going on, and he had gotten thrown off the job, and somebody else was in there finishing it, and on and on it goes. And I went up to the new general contractor that was doing the work, and I said, hey, can you tell me what's going on? He said, look, here's what happened. The original general contractor came out to build this custom home for these people. They, they gave them $362,000 up front in cash. Not cash, they gave them a check for it, right? So they gave them this money up front to build their house, and they just took the money started the house, and then just decided to walk off in the middle of it. I said, you did what? They gave him what? $362,000 up front. See, it's those business practices that encourage thieves. I mean, it really does. I mean, that's what happened. And so they walked off the job. And you know what? See, and we all go through that. It's like, okay, we're going through a tough time, so maybe we'll kind of skimp and cheat, and it's tax time. Maybe we'll manipulate our numbers and stuff like that. Creative accounting. You know, God knows He wants me to meet my needs of my family, and I got to do that, and I got to do this. So we kind of do these, and we play these kind of games. And the temptation is always there to do that. And then what happens is, a couple years downstream, all of a sudden, you ain't seen no stress like you've seen the stress of somebody who's getting audited, and they know they cheated. Then they've got penalties and they got interest and they got all the rest of it all on the line and it's all blown up in their face. And on top of all that, let's take this guy who's stealing money from people up front and not doing their doing what they're supposed to be doing. They've got potential for criminal charges. You want to see some stressed out people, see people that are indicted and on their way to prison. Why? Because the initial stress they thought was unbearable. But they don't know what stress is. Until they're disciplined by God for what they're doing. And so those are the type of things that go on. So that's one thing that I see is that we become stressed out because we do things that aren't right before God and we pay the price. But there's a second thing, and that is that, guess what? We all feel like we're we got to handle the problem ourselves. Man, you know, how am I going to get out of this mess in a minute? i got to do everything. I got the weight of the world upon my shoulders. I have nowhere to turn. I have no one to talk to. I have no help. I can't go to anybody. And I got to handle it all myself. Let me ask you a question. How does either one of those two scenarios, how does either one of those two scenarios go back to what I talk about and demonstrate a lack of ignorance of who God is? Let's take the first one's obvious. I mean, you're disobedient to the Word of God, that's obvious. Well, let's take the second one. Let's take the person who tries to handle all the the world's problems himself. How does that show an ignorance or lack of knowledge of God? What do you know about God? Okay, he's in charge, which means what? Okay, 
We know that God is in control. See, here's some of the problem that we have, though. See, God's like, God's our boss. And we kind of mess things up. And we don't want to have to go to Him and admit that we kind of mess things up. Because we want Him to think more highly of us than, uh, than He would if He knew how we mess things up. So you know how that is. You don't want to really tell Him, right? You want to just kind of fix it on your own before anybody sees it. Okay, how does that demonstrate an ignorance of who God is? What? As he knows everything. Isn't there some irony of not telling somebody something they already know? You ever deal with your kids on that? You already know, right? And you ask them to tell you, and it's like they're trying to hide it from you, and you're going, wait a minute, I already know. You already know, then let me tell you. <laughs> you know, they just kind of run right with the program real quick at that point. But, oh, you already know? Well, fine, then let's talk about it. But see, you see how it demonstrates an ignorance of who God is? See, and that goes back to these three facts. God's strength is immediately available. God's strength is immediately available. That's what he was trying to get across to us. You can turn to God 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 52 weeks a year. You can turn to Him any time that you want. And you know what's really cool? Since God is really the, the cause of Christmas and Easter, He doesn't even close on Christmas and Easter. Isn't that great? <laughs> Think about it. He doesn't close on Christmas and Easter. You know, think about this for a moment from a practical standpoint. God is readily available to any one of us who are stressed out about whatever it is that's stressing you out. He is immediately available to turn to for help. Which I find is pretty interesting because it has to do with His omniscience. He already knows what you're going through. All He's waiting for is you to come and talk to Him about it has to do with the omnipresent, that God is everywhere all at one time. The Bible clearly teaches that. So guess what? He can handle my problems wherever they may be, and He can still handle your problems too. And He can still handle yours. And He's not limited in any way as we think others are when we say, well, gee, you know, I don't dump all that on Him because He can only handle so much. No, He can take care of it. Don't worry about it. He can take care of everybody's problem all at one time. If we turn to Him all at once right now and just offered up our problem to Him, guess what? He could hear it and He can, he can take care of it. Does that blow your, it boggles my mind. But then, so does, you know, turning on a light at home. I mean, you know, this doesn't take much. So there's no reason not to accept, you know, accept what it says. His power is awesome. He can do anything He wants to do whenever He wants to do it as long as it's consistent with what's already revealed in His will. He's not going to change His word for you or I, but He can do anything, anything that He wants other than that. And the last thing is that we need to realize that His power is not dependent on us. So we go through all of that, but the problem is it sounds like, and here's where we struggle, doesn't it sound like God does everything? Like God does everything. Now the problem is, well, well then what do I do? What do I do? You ever see that bumper sticker that says, Let go, let God? Anybody ever see that? No. Well, you have to open your eyes when you're driving. And um, that, that'll help you. There's one little, little hint for you. Um, but how many of you have seen, how many have seen it? Ah, uh, gee. Don't you feel dumb now, Tom? Why don't everybody else, just everybody raise their hand by Tom. How many have seen it? Everybody. Say, you know why? You know why you missed it? You were too busy talking in the car. Okay, now for all of those who said that they have seen it, let me ask you a question. What does it mean? What does it mean to let go and let God? Oh, a stereo. That was pretty cool. 
How'd you do that? Did you guys plan that together? Did you look at my notes? What was the deal? Let what? Turn everything over to the Lord. Stop trying to control it. Stop trying to manage it. Turn everything over to Him. See, you know what my problem is? I'm a guy. I'll admit it. Well, what I mean by that is when somebody tells me, turn everything over to the Lord, not that it's wrong, but I just don't get it. You know what I mean? It sounds like something like, <laughs> you know, I just don't know what it means. So, what does that mean? Okay, that's great. Example. You have a problem, you have a car accident, whatever. You take care of all the paperwork, you do all the things you're supposed to do, and then you just leave the results in God's hand. That's a good illustration. See, now I can identify with that. It's like, oh, okay, now I get it. You know, but, but seriously, I mean, isn't that what it comes down to? Let go, let God. Well, wait a minute. Let's get down to some real practical things so that we can leave here and say, okay, I understood. I didn't really understand the let go, let God part, but I understood, oh, Minute. Um, gee, I'm struggling with this area of my life. Uh, maybe I got too many bills and I don't know what to do about it. Maybe the legwork or the footwork is I need to call the people that, you know, we're struggling making payments and see if I can work something out, out with them uh, until this thing turns around. You know, put a budget together that we can start to pay off that bill. And I can say, Lord, you know what? Uh, it's out of my hands whether they accept this payment plan or not. All that's out of my hands. But you know that what I want to do is right and honoring to you. And I can't control the results. So the, basically the part I let go of is, God, all of that's in your hands. Uh, the planning and all that kind of stuff, I guess, would be in my hands. And there's a balance there between knowing that God is in control and also exercising our freedom of choice and free will of being able to do things uh, that are necessary to do what's right before God. Do you follow that? See, it's like, okay, or have marital problems. I don't know, God, I, I can't control the results. I can't change my wife. I can't change my kids. I can't change anybody else. But, Lord, I want to start to do the right thing. So how do I go about applying those things in my life so that at least I'm responsible enough before you and I can't control whether my wife accepts my, my apology. I can tr can't control whether my kids do. I can't control anything else. I have to just let go in that area and leave that up to you. But I will do what's right before you. Let go, let God. And that comes down to, I think, a good biblical answer of what we're struggling with. How many of you have memorized Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Look, it says, if you can see it. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord. With all your heart. If you have not memorized this, if you don't learn anything else today, just leave here and memorize this. Because I want to explain it to you. Because I have memorized it, but I have never studied it. And there's a big difference between the two. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He'll make your path straight. I want you to notice some things. 
What are the four verbs or words of action that you see? Trust. Hang on. Trust. Lean not in this case, or don't lean. Acknowledge. Make straight. Okay? Trust. Don't lean. Acknowledge. And make straight. What's our responsibility? And what's God's promise? Okay, trust. Okay, you follow that? Trust is our responsibility. Lean not. And acknowledge. You follow that? So it's, um, this is me. And, and it'll, it'll be you too. But it can't be me and you, because then it doesn't sound like you. But it's me. You got it? Make it personal. That's me. Okay, and it, it could be you too. Trust. I'm, I'm to trust. I'm to lean not, or not lean. And I'm to acknowledge, and what's God promised to do? That's God's promise. That's God's promise. See, that's His responsibility. Because He's promised to do that. So now I know what my part is, and now I know what his, his part is. But I want you to notice something else. Notice this. It's highly personal. Now what I mean by that is this. I can't trust God enough to smooth out, for him to smooth out the stress in your life. You follow that? I can't trust God enough to smooth out the path in your life. But you can. See, you can. I can encourage people to understand the promises of God. I can encourage people to look at who God is and understand His character and His attributes. I can turn them to Scripture and say, look, here's what you need to know about God. You know, you're struggling with what's going on in the future. Here's what you need to understand about who you believe in. He's in control. He's in charge. He lifts one up. He takes down one, puts in another. Don't worry about any time. Don't ever worry about somebody that God has placed in authority over your life because He's done it. All authority comes from God, Romans 13. He's put them in there for His purposes, for His reason, for His plan. And He uses them to teach us lessons and to help us to grow. And if it's time for Him to remove that person, He puts somebody else in. So don't ever worry about who's in charge of you or who's in control of you because there isn't anybody who isn't there that God hasn't put there. So you can just relax about that. But I can't help you accommodate that in your own life. What you've got to do is make it very personal. I need to trust in God. I need to acknowledge Him. I need, I'm the one. I, and I need to do it with all of my heart. And I'm not to lean on anything else but God. And, and I'm to acknowledge who He is in all circumstances, knowing that He's powerful and He can do anything He wants whenever He wants to do it. That's, that's in conjunction or parallels His Word. I need to do that. And if I do that, then God promises that He'll make my road smooth and, he, and I won't be stressed out. So I can live in a world that of stressed out people and have no stress in my life because I've done what God has asked me to do. Isn't that a wonderful promise? 
Think about the Apostle Paul for a moment. Look at this real quick. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. is a wonderful illustration of a guy who was in a potentially stressful situation. How many people think being thrown in prison would cause a little stress in their life? Okay, great. we got something where I can agree on. Write this day down. What day is it? Philippians chapter 4. Look what it says in verse 11. It is potentially stressful. He says in verse 11, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret, and isn't that the truth? Isn't that what the world's looking for? The secret to living a stressless life. To be at peace with ourselves and the God who has created us. To have peace in stressful circumstances. How in the world are you so content in the middle of what you're going through? How in the world can you be singing in prison, Paul? Don't you know where you're at? Don't you know what's going on in your life? Don't you see the things around you? Don't you see how difficult the situation really is for you? How in the world can you be singing and praising your God and Job's wife says, Hey, curse God and die. How in the world can you still trust in God when you're going through what you're going through? But this we said, you know, I've learned the secret of being filled, of going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. And he said, you know how I handle stress? I can handle stress through Christ who strengthens me. There is no way in the world that this world can handle the stress that is related to the 20th century and the 21st century, God willing, if that happens. There's no way in the world that this world can handle stress outside of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the answer to all the problems. It's not another chemical that will make you stressless. It's not another drug to depend on. It's nothing else but turning to the God who made us and understanding that Jesus Christ loves us, that He died for us, and that He rose to prove again that He is God and that all we need to do is trust Him. That's the answer to stress in our society. That's the answer to stress in my life, is allowing, since I know Christ and I've asked Him into my life, is allowing Him to give me strength in stressful circumstances. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you know why I can do it? Because I know that God's in control. I know whatever's happening to me, it happens for a reason. If it's because I've sinned, then I repent and ask God to forgive me and I just accept the consequences and the judgment that comes along with it. If it's because of God's plan and it's a trial to cause me to grow, then I accept it knowing that God has placed it in my life for my benefit and knowing and growing closer to the Lord. And I accept that. But I never want to miss an opportunity through it. I'll turn back to chapter 1 for a second. We want to see something very interesting. In chapter 1, here he is in prison and he knows exactly why he's there. Was he railroaded? Yeah. Did he do anything wrong? No. Was he put in prison unjustly? Yes. Did he get a bum rap? By our definition, I guess you could say he did. But look what he saw. In Philippians 1, in verse 6, he says this. I have tremendous confidence in the God I believe, is what he's saying. For I am confident in this very thing. 
that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all. About you all, I like that. It's kind of for our southern friends. Because I have, in, I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness, how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, I want you to know that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. Do you see something that maybe we're missing? Do you see something that we're missing when we concentrate on the circumstances that are creating stress in our life instead of looking at the God who has allowed those things to happen for His purpose and for His glory? Let me just share something with you, and I don't know if, if you see it or if we've all missed it, but you know what? Do you know when people want to hear about your relationship with Christ? When from a circumstance standpoint, they look at your life and they think there is no way that you can have any joy, there is no way that you can have any peace in the midst of the circumstances that you're going through. There is no way it's possible. How in the world can you have such joy in your life when it's obvious that all hell has broken loose in your life? We're missing that. We're going 900 miles an hour and we're missing it. We're missing the opportunity to share with people of how much God loves us. Of the God who's in control, of the God who has a plan, and the God who has a purpose. And all the things around us are temporary. So if the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Because guess what? Our trust and confidence isn't in earthly things or material things. Because all those are going to be gone. But we have a greater confidence and a greater trust in a God who is above all of it. And what a wonderful time it is to share with others who are going through difficult times. Man, aren't you worried whether you're going to be put on plan B? Aren't you worried about the new coaches coming in? Aren't you worried about the changes? Hey, you know what? I don't even give it a thought because I know this, that I've got a God who's in control of all things. And I have complete confidence in Him. And if it's His will for me to be here, I'll be here. If it's will for me to go somewhere else, I'll go somewhere else. If I never play another down of football again, I know it's God's will. And blessed be the name of the Lord. He's given, He's taken away, and I've enjoyed it. And now I'll move on and see what He has for me in the future. And it's just not in that environment. It's in every arena. It's where you work right now. That's what's going on in your businesses and what's going on in your neighborhoods and what's going on with your children and your friends and everybody else. Why don't we use this as an opportunity to be able to share with people the greatest thing that they need to know and that is this earth is passing away. The heavens and the earth will pass away but the word of God will stand forever. And if you want to rest or put your trust in anything, then you need to put your trust and confidence in the God who has given us His Word and in the promises of His Word. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And we don't need to be stressed out about anything if we understand who God is and a knowledge of Him. The next time we get together, not next week since it's Sanctity of Life Sunday, but the following week, now we'll also get into some more practical ways to handle stress. Stress overcoming, it begins with the right relationship with God, and that's great. That's the let God, let go part. You know, let go, let God. 
But there's also some things that we can do practically on a day-to-day basis, things that cause stress in our life that we can just deal with from a scriptural standpoint to help us overcome that stress. But next week we'll take a look on how do you stand firm as far as the value of human life in a society that's, that's bent on trying to say that we're nothing but slime and amoeba or sludge that crawled out of the water. And if that's the case, then none of us have any value, so who cares? We need to get down to the nitty-gritty. Did God make us or are we just a product of some cosmic dust storm that banged together? And, uh, and if that's the case and you believe that, then you might as well throw some dust up in your backyard and you might get that jaguar you're looking for. Uh, let, let's pray. Our Father, we're just grateful for this opportunity just to look at your word, to see who you are, to come closer to you, to understand that, that we can trust in you. We can trust in you with all of our heart, not half-heartedly, but with all of our heart. In every circumstance, every area, not that you want to have 80% of our problems or things that we're dealing with, but you, we'll just give all of them to you. If you want them, you can have them. Just to trust you with all of our heart. And not to lean on our own understanding in ways that we think we can get out of the jam that we're in and get creative and all that good stuff. But just to turn to your word, see what you say, and to trust you and to believe you when you say to do it a certain way. To trust in you with all of our heart, not lean on our own understanding. But to acknowledge you, that you're the center of our life, that you're the person that we can come to, that we can talk to, that we can share with, and that actually cares about us enough to take all those burdens on yourself. That we not lean on our own understanding or the understanding of human beings around us who are so far from the truth and far from your word. And God, we're just grateful that as we do that, that you tell us that you will make our path straight. That you'll take all the debris and all the obstacles and all the hurdles out of the way. And that you'll remove the stress from our life. God, we just thank you for that. And we look forward to seeing you honor your word as we do our part in turning to you. And we just thank you in Christ's name. Amen.